to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Frank Tumbetti from Attilus Jim. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher. Soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Tuesday, August 15th in the year 2023. Tonight we're going to hear from Frank Tumbetti. Now, Frank Tumbetti is the owner of Atlas Gym. He's also the owner of Rock Bottom Nutrition. But you will know him from the story, most notably was his business partner who was out in front more early on, which was Ian. They were the gym owners that refused to close in New Jersey and literally even tore down the, the, the barricades of their business to open it up again during the peak of the COVID con. And they're still coming after him. It's just, tonight's story is just an amazing story about a patriot standing and literally not knowing anything about really politics and government and becoming an absolute expert on every rule he could possibly understand to defeat these monsters that are continuing to try to pursue him for not being compliant to their communist agenda. So it's a really good interview, and this will be a bit long tonight. This runs about uh, an hour and 20 minutes, just so you know. Now, Patriots, before we begin tonight, one thing that's really super important is to understand that these psychopaths are literally moving across this world to force everybody that they can into a CBDC. And at the same time, we are seeing the big movement in BRICS Nation to try to consolidate their power in the coming days to back to introduce a gold-backed crypto, which was hopefully will be able to, in their opinion, cripple the dollar and the U.S. economy. Now, of course, we have an, an administration right now that does nothing more than just kiss the back end of everybody in the world and doesn't do anything to defend us. And that means we have to do things to, de to defend our wealth and protect our wealth. The folks at Birch Gold Group are the ones to turn to when it comes to your IRAs and 401ks. And what you want to do at least explore with them, I would say, is to look into the idea of putting your IRA or, or 401k into a gold-backed tax-free retirement or tax-deferred retirement account. Give them a call. All you have to do is text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. That's BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898, and you're going to get a free info kit that gives you some information to go over and decide if they're, right, if they're the right group to work with. We've had great reviews. They continue to support Bards Nation in an amazing way. I get nothing but rave reviews about them. So, again, protect your retirement wealth. The government's not going to do it for you. Wall Street's not going to do it for you. And you need to take the initiative to make sure that you're protected in this massive time of economic shift and change. So, again, text Bards, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. That's BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898, and Birch Gold will send you that packet immediately, and you can check it out. It's something you want to do today. Now, Patriots, before we begin tonight, I'm going to play about a five-minute piece, and it's really important this to have this piece on the context of what we're going into tonight, because so much of what Frank went through and we all went through 
is literally was the result of mass psychosis as as an outcome of one of the most intense psychological operations ever given to a society. I want you to hear this five minute piece. It gives a really good rundown as to what happened into the public and how this mass psychosis affects people. And then we'll roll into the interview after that. Here we go. Take a listen. Mass formation is identical to hypnosis. And this term refers to a, a specific kind of group formation, which has very special characteristic effects at the level of individual mental functioning. And one of these effects is that an individual that is in the grip of mass formation typically lose every capacity to take a critical distance from what they believe in, from what the group believes in. You would think it would be people with lower IQs that would be more susceptible to this, but it seems to be the other way around. Are you seeing this? I have seen this. And it does seem to be predicted by educational status and IQ. We look to be verified for our belief system, right? And so a doctor goes to the CDC. The CDC says this is true, it must be true. I'm staying in that zone. It's actually people outside of the system go, well, I want to challenge the CDC here for a second. Where's this study come from? Where's it, you know, and that's what I do. All of these people were kept out of the all conversation. I can, all I can come And you were there. wanting me to sign onto a, a, a social contract where the scientific method isn't being used. I'm not interested in medical pedigree. I'm interested in medical consensus. People who are highly intelligent tend to go and get a lot of degrees. Those people have spent so many years in institutions to get those degrees that they have developed a trust and confidence in not only the educational institutions, but those that support them, which are largely government bodies. And so they start from the place of, if it's told by the university, by the government, it's probably going to be true. What I've learned about science is that it's really imagined, they're looking at like a fragment of the world, and it's all they see. It's all they're looking at. The world, they don't see the world. So I think that there's a disconnect between people who are smart and have lots of degrees with actual reality, with the lived experience of nature, of life, that you don't see with people who are actually working with their hands outdoors all of the time. A mass formation typically emerges in a society when very specific conditions are met. First and for all, the most central condition is a major part of the population needs to feel lonely. Doctors say the very rules to keep people safe from the virus are doing great damage when it comes to anxiety, depression, and even suicide. And now everyone is suffering, but children are particularly... The real pandemic here is the psychological warfare that's being waged on every single human being. See, if you take a human being and you put them in a chronic fear state, and you couple that with human isolation, what happens is they psychologically decompensate and live in such emotional pain that they will gravitate in an irrational way to anything that you promise them will alleviate that pain. Once people feel disconnected from their environment, they will typically start to experience a lack of meaning making in life. And under these conditions, if a narrative is distributed through the mass media, indicating an object of anxiety, and the strategy to deal with this object of anxiety, they suddenly, punk connect to one small object of fear, for instance, the coronavirus, and afterwards, people don't feel lonely anymore. They feel connected again. I'm here to become the Pfizer vaccine. I'm here for Moderna. 
a new kind of social bond is highly problematic. Just because the connections between the individuals even deteriorate more and the bond between the individual and the collective becomes stronger and stronger and stronger, which make them willing to sacrifice everything for the collective. Its health, its wealth, the future of its children, everything. Something else that is really characteristic of individuals in mass formation is that they become radically intolerant for dissonant voices. The people who are not getting vaccines, it's time to start shaming them. What else? Or leave them behind. Vaccinated person having a heart attack? Yes, come right on in. We'll take care of you. Unvaccinated guy? Rest in peace, Wheezy. <laughs> have to stop coddling the morons who will not get the shot. Get away from Put me. Put it on. Does it bother anybody else that she doesn't have to wear a mask that we all do? When are we going to stop putting up with the idiots in this country? You're a schmuck for not wearing a mask. And just say it's mandatory to get vaccinated. Screw your freedom. People who do not go along with the masses are stigmatized and in the end, the masses are inclined to destroy the people who do not go along with them. And... They do so as if it is an ethical duty to do so. Getting good people to do bad things, harmful things, while thinking they're good things, it's a dangerous place to be because it looks great. You feel great while you're being used. They will sacrifice themselves and they see it as a virtue because it demonstrates their complete obedience to the cult, to the group to perform ritualistic behavior which causes them harm. One of the most clear illustrations of this was when the leaders of the Communist Party in the Soviet Union were sentenced to death, often tortured to death, they did not object. They said things like, if this helps the Communist Party, it's my pleasure to do it. This is absolutely incredible as a quick review of what we all went through for over three years. And the fact of the matter is that the liberals to a large degree, are highly educated and therefore have become obedient slaves to a system which encourages them to believe in what they have been shown in the system and not think with their own minds. So they basically have been shaped, highly shaped drones, which is what we were fighting against. Those that are outside the system, working with their hands, doing the things, have an intelligence built on common sense. IQ is a concept built for those of the intellectual elite, which is another score to show how obedient you are to the system. But common sense intelligence is a measure of ability to adapt and to question and to challenge. And that is why we have such this incredible division between middle class and working class Americans and those that have been part of the intellectual elite, many of which and most of which are either on some form of government subsidy or they have become part of corporate environments or universities and government pensions and systems, meaning their salaries given to them. All of this you're going to have now in this interview with Frank, which is really powerful as a man who has fought like crazy to protect his business for his family because he built it, not because he went to school but because he understands what he was about to lose and what America was about to lose. Now, Patriots, just before we jump into the interview, be aware that these psychopaths will literally do anything. Take time to prepare, and it's important right now to prepare on many levels. One of those areas to prepare on is 
the, in the advent that they do something like an EMP or even weather warfare with lightning strikes and even the potentiality of solar flares. The device you need to look at is EMPshield.com, EMPshield.com. You can use your promo code. You'll get $50 off plus free shipping. And right now, site-wide, they have an additional 10% off for their Freedom Day sale, which is extended through from July. So head on over to EMPshield.com. These devices are built in in the United States, tested to the highest standards at the best government labs, DHS and DOD, and they're designed specifically to protect everything from your cars, your ATVs, your RVs, your home electronics, your home systems, your your solar panel systems, your your base station for your ham radio. They have devices for all of that. They're a very affordable insurance policy for any sort of power surge that may occur. So again, EMPShield.com, EMPShield.com, promo code BARDS, $50 off and free shipping plus 10% right now site-wide. Check it out today. All right, Patriots, without further ado, let me introduce to you Frank Tumbetti. Patriots, today we have a, an amazing guest. This is Frank Tumbetti from Attilus Gym. Now, you've heard this story. This is the gym that's been under siege by the state of New Jersey, the communist state of New Jersey here for well over two years and trying to destroy them for standing up to what is right and not bowing down to this COVID con nonsense. So with that, let me just introduce Frank. Frank, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you today, Scott? I'm awesome. So just start with a little bit about yourself so people kind of get a context. I know that um, people don't really know your face as much with the gym, so just going to let you introduce that. Absolutely. Um, I'm I was equal 50-50 partner um, with my uh, now gone uh, business partner, Ian Smith. I'm here alone. Um, I've owned a nutritional uh, supplement company called Rock Bottom Nutrition for the last 27 years. That's how I built my reputation here in South Jersey. Um, I'm married. I have two children of my own and three stepchildren. I have 18, 18 21, 22, and 23 year olds that I'm responsible for. Um, as far as the the gym goes, uh, we got we got started um, by Ian came into my store uh, about nine and a half years ago looking for a place to train his clients as a personal trainer because he was training them out of his car and I let him use my my gym that was actually in the back of my store and going back to. Uh, April of 2019, I decided I was going to expand the nutrition store and found a little location inside of uh, a gym um, right here in South Jersey, which happens to be the Attilish in Belmar that I'm in now. Uh, April 15th of 2019, uh, we opened up a second store. I let Ian uh, come in as a partner uh, with me in the, the rock bottom nutrition there. Um the gym was run down, but it was, I had some customers that from that area that would normally come by, uh, and, you know, travel is a little bit hard for people. Things got more expensive. So I wanted to have another satellite location. So we opened up inside of it. The gym was really slow and kind of, you know, falling apart and everything. And I, the owner of it came up only on Wednesdays. I heard him a couple of times say that, uh, you know, for the right price he would sell. So I looked around, it was, it was a mess, basically a dumpster fire. And I, I went to Ian and there was a third partner at the time. And I said, Hey, um, if I can make a deal, do you guys want to be partners? And long story short, we became partners and we went from 
opening up a little rock bottom store on April 15th of 2019 to owning the whole gym on June 2nd of 2019. So it's probably the fastest transactions ever occurred like that. Um, we got to work right away, um, changing the thing, everything in the gym, rearranging it, cleaning it up, fixing broken equipment. Um, spent the next nine months building it up. Uh, was doing absolutely fantastic. Um, and then COVID happened. Um, they, they started, you know, the rumors were coming around, hey, something's coming out, something's going to boom, people are going to be shut down. Um, and March 13th happens here in New Jersey, and they announced that actually Executive Order 104 um, that on Monday, March 16th at 8 o'clock, um, all gyms, restaurants, things had to shut down for business and stay closed till further notice. But they pitched it as, you know, 14 days to flatten the curve. And um, the rest is history. New Jersey, interesting place. I've lived there. We shared that before the show. Lived there for a short time. Lived down and lived in Summit. Great people, great people. Insanely communist and corrupted government. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the two sides, and a beautiful state too. I think we forget even the history history of the state. I mean, that that's literally like crossing the Delaware place. I mean, the George Washington and the whole thing. Um, it, it's all up there. What's happened in that state? I think that's where I want to kind of start as we head into this COVID thing. What's happened over the years? I mean, it's just, it's become too political. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy that, you know, when, when I look at, you know, how I grew up, you know, there, you, you felt like you had some freedoms and you, you just don't anymore, you know, as far as that goes, it's actually, and I was never political, believe it or not, before COVID. And, and, you know, it's, I would say that I'm, I'm not political um, still, but I, but I know I'm not a Democrat, if that, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Um, and it's, it's just become the point where the, the leaders that they have put in this state, um, it's their way or the highway. And I, and I, I, I don't understand it because it's, it's literally a beautiful place. Like I, I've had people say, well, why don't you just move away? And I said, cause you know what, for every complaint that somebody has, I can give you a, a reason to stay. And it's like, you know, cause people say, oh, the taxes are too high, this and, that, and the other thing. I don't even want to argue about that, you know, because bottom line is the taxes are high. That means you're making a lot of money. You can make more money here. So I, I, I'll never argue with somebody over that. And it's, but I, I'll actually make the argument, okay, where else in the world can you be close to the ocean, close to the mountains, close to the first city of the greatest country in the world, close to the capital of the greatest country in the world, close to the financial capital of the world, and in driving distance to go to one of seven wonders of the world with Niagara Falls. You know, it's just like, I, I, I challenge anybody to find a better place, you know, to, to raise their family. The, the problem is the, the politics of everything. And if you don't fall in line, then you're ostracized in, in every single way. I commend you for staying. I get sick and tired of the I'm running to somewhere else. I I'm, I live in Oregon. We are we are run by three counties of blue communist turds up north. I don't know how to say it. And they are just like they are the hemorrhoid of this entire state. But the people in this state are 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 fantastic. And so I and it, I I have similar sentiment towards my state as you do yours. And I think that's the whole sense of it is if we aren't going to hold our ground and fight 
What's the point? We're, we never run as Americans. And if any state in the union represents that, that would be New Jersey in the history going back to the revolutionary period. So congratulations and, on that, man. I'm serious. Thank you, sir. And it's it's easy in that when I look at it that way because I'll also say, okay, where else are you going to go? I think because bottom line is, what are you going to uproot your family? You're going to go try to start somewhere else? It's not about where you live. It's about saving the country. Okay, this isn't about saving New Jersey. This isn't about saving Oregon. This is about saving the country to me because it is just insane what they are doing and the, the fraud that they have perpetrated from everyone. And I, I literally jokingly say that I'm just a dumb gym owner, okay? And then dumb guy, I, I, I actually spelled it with two Bs, demanding unlawful mandates be banished. That's what dumb stands for me because that's, that's what I want, these – these unlawful mandates, they don't have the right to do these things. And people are still following them. You know, it's just like they, from day one, why, why did I figure it out? And hundreds of millions of others didn't. I don't understand that. And I, I don't think I ever will understand it because it was, it, it was right out there for everybody to see. You're so on on this. I talk about this all the time and it's the unbelievable compliance of a mass amount of public that were literally part of a crime against humanity. They may, they don't, I don't care if it offends people. The bottom line is they walked within a Nazi attack, a Nazi level Reich type thinking attack on Americans who love Liberty. And like you said, we don't have to be about parties, but it's a core spirit of America. Let's get into what happened to you because once that happened, I mean, you, here you are a year in to basically into building a whole new expansion on your business. Your gym is blowing up. You've got your, your I'm imagining your supplement business is doing great, which I, I would assume it could kind of, kind of go hand in hand. And then you've got the, the jack boots that start hitting at your door, which that's sickening. Most, I have so many levels of this I want to unpack. So let's just start there. Well, on, when, when the executive order came out on uh, March 13th, I called the, the state board of health on that Friday, that day. I said, hey, what are the consequences if I open up uh, against the orders? They said, we don't know. Okay, I, I talked for four hours. The answer I got was, I don't know. Okay, then on Monday, the 16th, okay, I'm, I'm choosing, I'm not, I don't want to shut down. Um, I talked to the Camden County Board of Health for three hours. And all I got from them was, well, if you open up against the orders and somebody gets sick there and claims that they got COVID there, it could have long-term ramifications. I said, so what are the consequences? Okay. And they literally said, none, there's nothing, there's nothing written in paper. Well, let's, let's fast forward. Okay. I, I stayed open that night. I was the only gym. I literally had probably 200 guest passes of people that came in that night on the, the 16th. Okay. Then the, the next day, St. Patrick's day, we decided, okay, we're going to close, but if we're going to be closed for two weeks, we're going to renovate. We, we had an old counter at the front, wanted to get it out. Well, that morning, Ian is working out by himself. I'm actually ripping out some cabinets at, at the front to make a new front desk. Someone took a picture of Ian working out in the gym, sent it to the Board of Health. The Board of Health called the local police, and the local police sent one of our members in here who was, who was a member. He's a, he's a great guy. They, but they sent him because they knew that I wouldn't get as upset. They threatened us on day one with a $50,000 fine and loss of business license. And I'm like, you have lost your mind. 
okay, as far as is good. So then fast forward two more days, okay, I'm doing all my homework, and in, in the state of New Jersey, they passed executive order 105 and 106. Now, the importance of this is that they said that this was 14 days to flatten the curve, okay? So now on day three of 14, they passed executive order 105. What Executive Order 105 did was it changed the way that everybody would vote in all of the upcoming primary elections. The primary for the governor of New Jersey wasn't until the first Tuesday in June. We are talking about March. Okay, if this is about a virus with a two-week incubation period, why are you changing that already? Okay, Executive Order 106 passed on the same day. Executive Order 106 actually was for an eviction moratorium so that they couldn't actually you get anybody out of something once they miss payments. So once again, if it's about a virus with a two-week incubation period and we're on day three of 14, why are you giving an eviction moratorium? Red flags right away. I called four lawyers that day. I said, I want to put a, a lawsuit against the state of New Jersey and for violation of constitutional rights many different things that they had violated, you know, from the unequal application of the law because they allowed some places to stay open and they pick and choose the winners and other places had to close because of the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment says that they can't take lawful use of a property away without just compensation. Nobody got just compensation. Every single lawyer said, I had great points, but you are crazy. No lawyer is going to take this while a pandemic is going on. So we just keep working dealing with the hassle. March 27th comes day 11. That was that was the red flag alert for the whole entire country. And it, it should have been right away. And I don't understand why everybody didn't stand up at this moment. Because what happened on that day is they passed the, the original stimulus package. And the crazy part about that stimulus package was that it was actually introduced to Congress before 2020. Okay, and people will say, oh, they they actually do that on a regular basis. They just, uh, you know, add to that. Well, either way. Okay, that stimulus package gave twelve hundred dollars to every person that was eligible, twenty four hundred dollars per couple, five hundred dollars additional for each kid. It gave an eviction moratorium for the entire country. And most importantly, it would give six hundred dollars a week for free for 16 weeks for you to stay at home and unemployment. At that moment, I'm opening up. I have to put a plan together to save you because they are not opening us up. This is actually all political. Something else that was in that stimulus package that nobody ever talks about, and it's actually, you can still find it online, was that the states were incentivized to actually have positive tests, like literally not hospitalizations, not COVID deaths, okay? There, there's a website called beckershospitalreview.com and a, and a company called Kaiser Health News put out a report on April 14th of 2020. And this was a state-by-state -state breakdown of the federal aid that would go to the hospitals per COVID case. The first $30 billion of that funding that was designated to the hospitals, they literally, in the exact words, say that it was being distributed based on the historical share of the Medicare revenue, not based on COVID burden. Now, Scott, if I was to ask you what you think a state might have gotten like for a positive COVID 
test. Now remember, people were getting tested in parking lots and those type of things. Okay, what do you what do you think would be a a, a ballpark number of of what a state might get per COVID case? I'm guessing it's between ten and twenty k. Okay, well, the lowest amount that any state got per test was the state of New York. Because obviously, state in New York, they got plenty of cases. They're going to get done. They got $12,000 per case. Now, to me, this whole thing shows that they actually were trying to put fear everywhere because, you know, there's certain states where you're probably never going to get people to test. And point being, West Virginia. West Virginia, they take care of their home. Good old country boys. You know, they're not going to do anything. Guess what West Virginia got per, per case? Four hundred and seventy-one thousand dollars. Minnesota got three hundred eighty thousand dollars. Nebraska got three hundred seventy-nine thousand dollars. Montana got three hundred fifteen thousand dollars. North Dakota got three hundred thirty-nine thousand dollars. Alaska got three hundred six thousand dollars. Hawaii got three hundred one. That's how you put fear in everyone. You incentivize it. Nobody would talk about it to this day. And it's still on the internet. Most of the other things they've gotten rid of, the things that are damning against them. So it's crazy to me. And it's, I'm like, and I, I even would ask the media all the time, I'm a dumb Jamona. Why, why am I the one bringing this to your attention? Why aren't you asking these questions? Why, why, why aren't people to have, you know, pull? And the scariest part is today, as of today, today is 1,241 days since it started. Not a single elected official has reached out to me or Ian when he was here as my partner. Not a single elected official to try to help. A whole, a whole bunch of people who wanted to become elected officials and try to get us to push them for, the, you know, for their vote so they could get the votes. But not a single elected official. So as soon as that stimulus package came out, I literally went to Ian. I said, we got to put a plan together. They are not going to open us up until at least the beginning of the summer because they're giving people free money for 16 weeks. So we started putting an entire protocol together. I actually researched, put things together. I actually, you know, from a biometric scanner so nobody would have to touch themselves. They took your temperature when you walked in the door to sign in you know, re release papers that you were signing in so we could do contact tracing. So we knew every single person that actually walked through the door, what time they came through the door. So if, if anybody claimed that they actually got COVID, it's actually I have proof that, you know, there was no COVID outbreaks that came through my building because nobody, you know, people got COVID, but but there was no COVID outbreaks. And their, their definition was any three cases that could be linked to each other. So I kept every, I, to this day, I still have over 500,000 pieces of paper that people filled out where they came in here during COVID, you know, restrictions. I, I put hydroxyl generators in the gym. Hydroxyl generators are, are class two medical devices. It is basically water gets actually, you know, stimulated by a electrode that creates an ultrasonic fog, which goes through a fan, which goes through a filter, which has uh, UV lights that are the same uh, wavelength as black lights. And then it's lined with something called titanium dioxide. This combination causes a photocatalytic conversion of the H2O molecules in the actually 
um, hydroxyl molecules and peroxide molecules. Peroxide molecules disinfect everything, and the hydroxyl actually kills all viruses, including COVID. It only has a half-life of two seconds, so it's actually safe for human consumption, can be used in neonatal care units and intensive care units in hospitals. I actually put them in my gym. I had it was circulating 30,000 cubic feet per minute of virus-free, chemical-free air for everybody to keep it safe. So we actually announced we're going to open up. The reason we picked May 18th was because I had gone to the police. I said, look, we got to get open. I'm letting you, I'm giving you guys time. We're going to, this is the plan. I said, they asked for two weeks. And then for May 18th, the reason for that date is they asked for two weeks. We gave them two months. They don't have a plan. We have a plan. It's time to get back to work. So then we go on social media on May 11th and we, we put together a video my, my business partner put it up on social media. It it went viral, you know, and, and what we proposed was the safe reopening for all of New Jersey. And this is what Atosha and Belmar is going to do. And we would put a 15 step protocol of everything that we were doing to keep people safe and healthy. So next thing we know, we're getting phone calls from everywhere. Um, we got on a local uh, political show in Philadelphia, the Rich Dioli show on uh, Wednesday morning, the 13th of May. And he apparently he normally only give people maybe five to seven minutes. Well, we were on there for 15 minutes. And after that, the phones never stopped. The Tucker Carlson calls and, and, and the like get going. And then so did all the hate. They're good at hate. They feed on their hate. Oh, absolutely. So what was the response when you went to the police and you said, okay, I'm giving you two weeks. We gave you two weeks. Here's our plan. We're going to open up. Well, I let them know in April. I said, we gave them two weeks. We had, they asked for two weeks. We gave them two months. But with, I went to the, the police in April and told them that we're going to actually go on social media on the 11th and open up on the 18th if the state doesn't have a plan to get us open. And the the officers that I talked to said, we understand you have to do what you have to do. We will only uh, give you a hard time if we're mandated to. They were fine. The, the, the police, to me, were always on our side. It was never us against them. And, and I personally knew that. Um, you know, there, there might be one or two of those officers who didn't like us, just in general, for because of political views and those type of things. But um, they, they were on our side. They didn't, they didn't want to harass us. They didn't, they didn't want to do any of that. That's good feedback, and I, what I'm asking is because there's an image that I just keep running through my head, and I want you to continue, but I, 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 there's an image that keeps running through my head, which is your New Jersey jackboot. I'm, I'm sorry, but they're, they're the high leather booted state police, highway patrol, whatever they are. I mean, and, then they're, and they're kind of big round brown, and where they've, they've come to your gym, as I recall. Well, I can tell you the state police refused to arrest us. They wouldn't show up. Okay, that's great. I, they, they stuck up for us. Right, so I can, you know, it's like, so as, as far as that goes, they, they, when, when we officially got arrested in, in July, um, they had to call the sheriff's department because the local police refused to do it and the state police refused to do it. All right. Well, hat tip to them. So I appreciate that. I, I really do, because there's, there's a, there's a lot of strong imagery here that gets, gets put out there that may not always be the right story. So if you want to see them. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree a thousand percent. They're, they're not all bad. The ones at the top are following Governor Murphy's orders. The ones at the bottom, they're, they're real people who deal with real people as far as that goes. So 
that Friday, um, May 15th, we, uh, we got noticed that the state police were ordered to arrest us before we got here, uh, on Monday. Cause we, you know, let them know we were opening up on Monday. And, um, so we, I literally, it was, this is our first attempted, uh, you know, we having to change things up and everything like that and, and, and seeing who was behind us. So we, we decided, I, I, I called Ian up and I said, yo, we, we need to, uh, get ourselves in there because, uh, governor Murphy doesn't want us to be seen with the media, the police and our supporters and or protesters. So what we did is we, we spent Friday and Saturday uh, getting everything together, finding out who was going to be helping us volunteering. Um, got a, a couple camera guys come inside. We put the paper over the windows, covered the windows all up and came in Sunday and got everything we needed, all the people that were going to be here. And we locked ourselves indoors. We, we chained, chained the doors from the inside. So that we, we we parked our cars cars all around the town, um, so they didn't know we were in here. They couldn't see in because of the paper, um, except for a couple of strategic spots where there was there was no lighting, um, so we could see out, see who was there, and um, so we we stayed here all Sunday Sunday night planning what we we're going to do, and it, it was craziest thing because we you know two o'clock in the morning we hear people outside already, the media is already outside and. About four o'clock in the morning, Ian and I were sitting at the, the front counter on the floor, right by the front door. And I looked at him, I said, you know what? This might be the craziest thing we've ever done, but probably the most important. And uh, we know that the media's out there. And we know we're gonna have some supporters out there. And I looked at him, I said, I sure hope when we open the door, somebody wants to come in the gym and listen fucking waste. Cause if not, this is fucking stupid. And we both just laughed about it and because the violation of the executive order was people would be, have to be willing to walk through the door. And when we opened the door at seven o'clock in the morning for an interview with P. Exit, there was a line all the way around the building and it was the greatest feeling I've ever had in my life. I got goosebumps right away because most of the people that were at the front of the line where we could see, and we even were uh, conscientious of their COVID regulations and restrictions in the outside place. We had put X's on the ground, six feet apart, asking everybody to stand six feet apart. It was in line. And 37 of the first 44 people we let in were either active military, former military, or police officers that were active or former that's that's the moment i knew that this was we were doing the right thing and uh we opened up we had allowed 44 people in here that was based on the protocol that i had set allowing 20 percent occupancies that was based on the square footage of our building that was me allowing 200 square feet per each individual we had moved the equipment around so almost all of it was six feet apart you know, just just to comply with there, we 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 wanted to go so far overboard that um, they couldn't just shut us down for something stupid, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, you know, oh, yeah. as far as that goes, because it's you know the local home Home Depots and Walmart and stuff, all they had to do wear a mask and stay six feet apart, and you could have a thousand people, you know, in there. It didn't make any sense. So 
Um, the police originally didn't want to give us a summons that day. Um, they came back here. Uh, Gov Governor Murphy had uh, Gerber Gruel, who at the time was the attorney general for state of New Jersey, call the, the head prosecutor for Camden County, head prosecutor, uh, then uh, called the township and said if they didn't come over and give us the summonses that they were going to furlough the whole entire uh, township police department for 60 days. And uh, so they came over and reluctantly gave us the summonses. Um, we opened up the next day, they gave us summonses. And on the third day, opened up, uh, we got summonses again. And then on Governor Murphy's daily address to the people, um, we were brought up every single day. This day when it was brought up, he says, well, I guess, I guess since we can't do anything legal, we'll have to send the Board of Health after him. This is on live TV. His thing, you can go back and look at, you know, the, the transcripts of it. And uh, within one hour, uh, somebody flushed one of the toilets in the gym and the entire sewer system backed up into the gym. Um, I had to evacuate everybody, got them out. I had to call a professional cleaning company to come in and make sure everything was taken care of properly. Took three plumbing companies on clock, whatever they had done. Um, we have proof that there were actually township MUA uh, trucks in the vicinity. Um, and uh, it is what it is. I'll, I'll make those accusations. I, I believe it was done by government as far as that goes. Um, midnight that night, uh, Judith Perskelly, who's the, the head of the Board of Health, um, slapped a notice of embargo on our front window, claiming that actually COVID festered in this facility and that we were to be shut down. Um, but we didn't listen. We stayed uh, we stayed closed on Thursday because we had to make sure the whole entire building was sanitized once again, especially since the you know the sewer system had backed up in, into. The, all the bathrooms and everything like that. So we had to make sure that we, we paid for that and did it cleanly to, to protect everybody. And we opened up again on Friday and no incidents, got a couple summonses, but no, no major incidents. Had 437 people come through that day to work out. Um, no, no issues whatsoever. Around 7.30 that night, I got a call from lawyer and lawyer said, uh, can you... Ian, go to the gym. They say they need to change the locks. I said, what, the, what are you talking about? How, how are they changing the locks? Um, without anybody going to court, without anything, um, Judge Lugie ruled that they could actually change the locks on their doors. You know, it's like, um, it's absolutely insane. I couldn't believe it. And lawyer said, if you don't go there to open it up, they're going to break it open because they have to actually clear the building when they're changing the locks. And so, you know, I, I came up here and there were uh, five officers, two from the local police and three from the sheriff's department because none of them wanted to do it, waited for a locksmith to come and they changed the locks on their doors. So we did, you know, obviously stayed, open, stayed shut for a short period of time there. Um, in the meantime, we filed uh, some things in the, in the federal courts against the state of New Jersey. And we kept going, waiting, waiting, and waiting, and nothing was happening. Um, it, it just kept going and going. And then it, we come into 
the beginning of June and we're still not hearing anything. We're fighting. We're arguing back and forth with the lawyers, like what's going on? Something needs to be done. And remember, they changed the locks on the doors. And, it, and, it, and at this point, um, we had already picked the lock, um, changed it back to our own lock, you know, in, in anticipation we're, we're opening. And then judge ruled that we could actually open the joint on, on June 15th. We could open the gym, but with, because I had the nutrition store in here, they, so they illegally closed my nutrition store at the same time, you know, which is where they made their biggest mistake at that time. And that's why we got the keys back. And I knew that I could be open because they, they nutrition stores were allowed to be open, like GNC and stuff were allowed to be open. So they illegally, you know, because it was in here. So they ruled that we could actually uh, get the keys back because of the nutrition store. But as long as we did no indoor training. So we opened up put out on social media, come and work out. And we took the gym outside every day in the parking lot. I came in six o'clock in the morning by seven 30. I had every single one of our plate loaded equipment out there, 30,000 pounds of weights, dumbbells up to hundred pounds out in the parking lot. And we had 250 to 400 people show up. Then on July 4th, I said, I'm not doing this anymore. Let's get arrested on independence day. I let everybody come into the gym. I said, this is just stupid. Um, going back a step further, it, I, I skipped over. On June 19th, we, in a Zoom call, which we never were in front of the judge, um, Judge Robert Kugler, who was in uh, the, the federal district court um, here in Southern New Jersey, um, refused to hear our case because we were waiting to hear about it. He refused to hear our case stating that we had not done enough to exercise our rights. And instead of seeing our case, he pushed us back to the state where these tyrannical you know, laws, if you want to call them, they kept calling them laws and they're not, you know, because executive orders aren't laws. But uh, so he pushed us back to the state. And ever since then, we can't open up a federal case because we have criminal charges against us. Because little did I know that it, once you have criminal charges against you, you can't have your name on a class action lawsuit and you can't actually um, go have anything go to the federal system until all that's cleared up. So that's to this date, none of that stuff is, is cleared up in any way whatsoever. It's still going um, throughout that. So they started giving us a hard time because we were now letting people train in the gym um, saying we were in violation of the, you know, the, the order because they, we were, they gave us the keys back, but we weren't supposed to do any indoor training. Um, we, we performed a little joke because it's, um, right after the 4th of July, they allowed gyms to open up for one-on-one -on -one personal training. And this, this is an example of the joke of the tyrannical leadership in the state of New Jersey. Um, and it didn't matter what size your gym was. Okay. If you have a 15,000 square foot gymnasium is one room or you have a thousand square foot gym that's actually 10 rooms of 100 square feet you were allowed to open up for one-on-one -on -one personal training but you couldn't have a second person training with another trainer unless it was actually separated by a dividing wall that went floor to ceiling now think about that <laughs> they I have a 15,000 square foot gym. 
I was allowed to have one person in here training at a time. That's insane. So what we did, and it, the, the verbiage that they actually did with that, we says that you could, if it could be more than one-on-one with, it, with a trainer, if it was uh, significant others um, or uh, like a dependent, or they, they made the, the mistake of saying that, uh, oh my Lord, what was the verbiage that they use? Because um, it's, you have significant others, and then they said, or rom- romantic partners. And they actually wrote that in the executive order. They wrote romantic partners with an S. So we had every person that walked through the door sign a letter agreeing that we were all romantically involved together. <laughs> and literally, when we went to court, when they found us in contempt of court on July 21st, we actually submitted 437 pieces of paper where everybody, and it was so funny because the, the assistant attorney general, Slocum, actually literally hearing him talk was absolutely the funniest moment of, of the whole thing because he was like, Your Honor, I have 437 signed affidavits from the individuals walking in the gym. They're admitting that they are all romantic partners together. They are making a mockery of the system. And that's literally how he talked. Long story short, I wasn't allowed to speak. Ian wasn't allowed to speak. We were found guilty of contempt of court. Um, We still refused to close. July 27th, 5 o'clock in the morning, they come walking in the door. Well, I should say, they they came walking through the curtain because when we got found in contempt of court on the 21st, the judge ruled that they were to arrest us, build a barricade, and change the locks on the doors again. So since they threatened that, we decided to actually, <clears throat> gentleman from California who I've been talking to who was a gym owner out there, uh, Lou Uridel, had jokingly said, why don't, you, why don't you just take the doors off? So I said, you know what? I am. I took the doors off the hinges and we took them to another, another location and we made the gym 24 hours. And so they couldn't change the locks. And I went on social media and I said, how are you going to change my locks if I got no doors with a picture of a guy scratching his head. And then the morning of July 27th, they came walking in at five o'clock in the morning and officially arrested us. Um, I actually thanked them because I figured at that time, getting arrested was the the only way to get this to start advancing further, you know, and, and getting progress with it. So they arrested us. We were only, you know, detained for maybe about four or five hours. It couldn't hold us, you know, because of COVID. Um, they had to get the um, sheriff's department to come and arrest us. And then we went to the Belmar police, uh, local police barracks because the state police refused to come and arrest us and the local police refused to, but because of the COVID, they didn't want to take us back to uh, the Camden County jail facility run by the sheriff's department. So we were taken to the Belmar barracks, you know, but the sheriff's department had jurisdiction over it. Um, They, meanwhile, we stole our phones while we were in there. Some people saw it. We, we, 
took pictures of ourselves in there. And then I called back to the gym because we have a, uh, a ring camera on the front door. And I started talking to them all, telling them, you know, thank you for finally arresting us. You know, I don't understand why it took 70 days, but at least hopefully it's not a waste of 70 days. We can get working on, on progress and getting rid of these tyrannical leaders. And I said, you know, jokingly said, you know, take care of that door. I got to get in there in a couple of days. One of the guys, you know, said, hey, they're, they're actually talking to us. They called down to the police station. They came in and they snatched my phone from me. And I just laughed. You know, it is what it is. Um, and then we got out and they built a barricade on the door. Was made out of wood. Um, I told him we're going back to work. And uh, Saturday, August first, we, we made it. You know, we've gotten arrested that Monday morning on the twenty seventh, and we had to you know retool, figure things out, make sure we had people that were still willing to come in and do everything. So we put it out there that we were going back to work at eight o'clock in the morning um, the night before. Um, because it's, we had access to the cameras, uh, to the inside of the gym. And I, I looked in on the cameras and I, I realized that they had actually directly screwed, um, uh, two by 12s, uh, to the backside of the plywood, uh, that they had, um, used to, to build the barricade. And so if we just kicked it in, we would end up breaking all the glass because it's, it's tied to metal. Um, so we, we broke in the night before, um, through I, I cut through the wood on the outside, squeezed myself in, and then took the screws out of the wood from behind the door, took it down so that when when we kicked the doors in the next day, there wouldn't be a glass mess and we you know wouldn't be able to not let people in the gym. Then we kicked the doors in, and I've never been closed a day since. We've got the dates, but what what year are we in? That, that's August first of twenty twenty. Okay, so this is all happening in that first, all of the story here is happening in that first COVID con period. Absolutely. While all the George Floyd riots are going on, judges telling us we didn't do enough to, you know, to to stand up for our rights. And meanwhile, you know, it's the only thing we didn't do was, you know, riot and, you know, loot our own place as far as that goes. So then they, they took our business license away um, here at the local township. And I laughed at them and I said, First of all, I'm not charging anybody a membership. The only people we've charged anything were anybody who wasn't a member beforehand. We actually charged them for their first month with the knowledge that their month would not even start until Governor Murphy okayed for all gyms to be open. And we were allowed to actually charge people. All of our active members never got charged a dime at a time. So then they took our business license and... I literally jokingly said, that's a joke because I'm a rec center now. I don't charge anybody. What are you going to do now? And we stayed open. They decided when we got found in contempt of court, they didn't give it a number on the fine. They said fines to be determined. Well, what they ended up doing, and we, I was able to figure out the numbers because we couldn't understand where the number came from. But we got uh, officially fined $15,497 and 76 cents a day for every day we opened up against the governor's orders. They came up with this number based on money that actually people had donated to the GoFundMe page that was actually set up by the, the lawyers that came in that actually said it was going to, they're going to do pro bono. They say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to, you know, so it's, pro, pro, it's not going to cost you anything. We, we get some of your members to start a GoFundMe and then we get paid out of that. So 
They they looked at the amount of money that, that people had donated in it. They looked at how many days to that point we had been opened up against the governor's orders, and they divided it, and that was the $15,497.76 a day that we got fined. So um, in taking our business license away, we you know couldn't charge anybody anyway, but I, I wanted proof that it was taken away. So in, in September of 2020, um, we filed um, with – the, the local township to, um, to get it, uh, what's it, an, an Oprah request to, to get the resolution because when they, when they took our business license away, you have to pass a resolution to make it actually quote unquote legally binding. Um, they never respond to the Oprah request. I put it back in, in, in October. They didn't respond to that, put it back in two weeks later. And then the attorney for, uh, the township asked for a 30 day extension and we still never heard anything. Our lawyer got COVID. We still stayed open every day. Um, we didn't get back into the court system until now we're in April of 2021. Still haven't charged anybody membership. Still haven't had any, you know, COVID, you know, outbreaks, anything going on. Um, we, we go to the system. Actually, I got to go back one step. Sorry, I don't have anything written down. I'm actually, this is all out of my head, so I apologize if I'm all over the place sometimes. Um, go back to the, the beginning of January of 2021 in um, us reopening, and they, they come up with all these new variants and everything that, that, that they were doing. You know, I kept coming up with T-shirts, and um, the, the money that people had donated, the state decided that they were going to take it. So the beginning of January... The state of New Jersey took $173,000 out of the account. There was money that people had donated. They, we let Tucker Carlson know. Tucker Carlson's, uh, I guess, a manager and a, you know whoever you know takes care of all this stuff reached out to the Attorney General of New Jersey. The Attorney General actually sent an email saying that they did not touch our money. Well, I gave access to Tucker Carlson's people to go into our bank account where it actually specifically said New Jersey execution. So, you know, just basically caught them lying right on national TV and actually and Tucker Carlson put that out there as far as that goes. So they, they, and they justify taking it as the, the word, the verbiage of the GoFundMe was that people were donating money that would be used for any this anything necessary to keep the gym up and running and safe. Well, in the state's mind, well, fines are necessary to be paid or else we're going to close you down. So they said, okay, we're going to take it. We're going to take that money. Um, then we're, we're finally back in the local court and we're in there and the judge starts yelling at my lawyers for not doing paperwork properly, not doing things in a timely manner, and saying that the township deserves to actually move on from this and actually not be burdened with it. And I asked if I was allowed to speak. The judge asked my lawyer if it was okay. And the, the, my lawyer said, absolutely. So I spoke and said, Your Honor, I mean no disrespect, but um, my lawyers are just doing their job. 
we haven't got all the information. If my lawyers start putting in the paperwork without all the information, they're not doing what's necessary for me. And she's like, well, what information are you talking about? I says, we actually asked, put an open request in for the resolution for them taking our business license away. Actually, in September, October, and late October of last year, and we still have not received anything. And then she interrupted me, asked Mr. Luongo, who was the actual attorney for the township, if he was aware of this. And he said, no. I said, your honor. I find it hard to believe that Mr. Luongo is not aware of an OPA request on the resolution when actually in the end of October, he's his secretary specifically asked for a 30 day extension because we sent it. So how could it, his secretary and he signed off on it? I, and, and literally she said, is this true? And Mr. Luongo said, I'm, I'm not aware of it. Long story short, she ended that court session, said we would be back on June 11th. And in the meantime, things need to be taken care of and handled properly. Well, in the meantime, the township in between that April meeting and the June 11th meeting, the township had a special meeting where they passed the resolution, which means that for the previous nine months, they never took my business license away. So they sent out 32 summonses to us through the mail for violation of their orders actually for being open without a mercantile license. Every single one of them is fraud. Not only is it fraud, it's actually mail fraud because they sent it, but yet nothing's been done. We brought it up to the township, nothing's been done. We keep going, things happen. Ian decided he was going to run for politics. A couple other things happened. Wasn't, wasn't doing what he needed to do around here. So, you know, it's, I, I, I started to have to do every, everything on my own. Keep going back and forth. And then comes September of 2021, they, they took more money. It took another $39,000 out of our account. So it was every time we, we let money build up, you know, they, they, they decided they were taking it. And then we went to court at the, the, the state level. And again, I've never talked to a judge. Ian never talked to a judge. They actually ruled in And if you know anybody that's ever started a company, you know, you, you incorporate to protect yourself from personal liability. Yes. Um, Judge Lugie ruled that they could pierce the corporation. Wow. So, and without being found guilty of fraud or anything, which violation of law 101, you know, it's a, it's common sense, but all my lawyers would say, and to this day still say the system is rigged. So the, the importance of that is now they come after everything that's in my name, anything that was in, originally in Ian's name. And then I bought Ian out and I relieved him of his corporate liability, but not personal liability. But as of right now, the state of New Jersey actually is mandating a garnishing of my wages personally for corporate fines for opening up. And, and that's, and everything that's going on with the township still stands open to this day. We have over 90 summonses have not been actually anything done with they had a change in venue back in December of 2021 to because of the conflict of interest and them taking their business license away. And we have not heard anything since then. It is, it's the craziest, longest fight of my life. And, and, and the most important, people just don't get what's going on. There, there's so many things that they've lied to us about. You know, it's just, I, I, I can give you 200 letters of people that will actually tell you that I, in opening my gym and allowing 
the people of the community who needed it to use it. That and it's it's been the greatest thing for my kids to see, but it's it's been and I sorry sometimes I get a little bit of a little bit of tears in my eyes over it because you know I I understood that mental health was an issue, but mental health is a real pandemic here. You know, and they and with what they did to everybody, you know, isolating them, secluding them, saying you can't do things, has just compounded it so much. And there's there's so many people who on a almost daily basis that, that thank me for saving their life. And in, I don't deserve that. But I understand why. You know, it's just like I just did and still doing what I thought was right for me and my family, because if I didn't open up, I'd be out of business. It's that simple. You know, they, when they built the barricade, if, if, if I don't kick those doors back open, I'm out of business. What good am I to my family? Everything I've worked my entire life for is here. You know, I, I grew up without a whole lot, you know, some family issues, very poor. And I, and I, I've worked for everything I have, you know, and, it's how are they going to, I'm going to let them take it. I, re, I remember on day two at four 30 in the morning when, when I went outside and 15, 20 media cameras in my face and everything had come out about Ian's past overnight, you know, it's like everybody, you know, it's like they, they feed off, of it. you know, like you said, the evil, you know, so it's like, cause Ian had, you know, when, when he was 20 years old, had gotten into a car accident and, and he, he, he killed a young man and he, that's, that's all they wanted to talk about. And, you know, it's, I, I literally said, it's, I, I just think it's really hypocritical that you, you're going to be critical of a man who actually did a crime, a very bad thing, did his time and is now trying to do good. When you go back 30 years ago, if he had, if he had done that crime, they would have actually offered to let him go and serve in the military. You know, so, you know, those type of things. And, and, and instead of going to jail, those things. And then they they said to me, well, aren't you afraid? And I'd never really thought about it. And the words that came out of my mouth were, I'm more afraid to sit down. And they said, why is that? I said, because I have five kids I'm responsible for. And I want to be a pop-up someday. And I, I want to be able to talk about how great the world is, not how great the world was. And it's literally that simple. That's a patriot's heart right there. I know you say that you don't deserve. I'm going to say, yes, you do. The thing that we've got to remember is there are so many people out here that just don't have a spine to stand. And unfortunately, as difficult as these times have been, it has taken those that do have the spine to stand to remind Americans of what it is to be a patriot. Everything you describe here, just it's been the fight that I've been waging here on this platform for since the beginning of this COVID-con nonsense and well before, but in particular since COVID-con. And it was just the, com the complacency in the heart, the willfulness to submit, and even worse, the willingness to point your finger and turn against your neighbor. And I, I think, you know, when we talk about these instances and your story, and I, I'm just telling you what I see here. I see somebody who never forgot the basic tenet that Jesus told us, love thy neighbor. Because this isn't about, this isn't about, whether you're going to do COVID or not COVID and all that garbage. If people want to believe that, 
crap, then they can go walk that path. But man, you held that place open and you gave people hope and you gave them a place to assemble and you gave them a place to work out. You gave them a place to diffuse the stress, to get together, to be communal, to remember what it was like to be in a community again. And you still do. And so I'm just hat tip to you, seriously. Um, you, you, have, you have really demonstrated beyond a shadow of a doubt, Frank, that, I mean, there are patriots that are hardcore in this country. And without you and others, I don't even know where the hell we'd be right now, to be honest with you. Well, and my, the scary thing to me is there's still so many following. And it's like, where are we going? Like, I, I see things every day. Like, when, when we look at what they did with these vaccines, you know what? It's, I don't understand how it got to where it is where you can mandate something. You know, when, when, when you're talking about, you know, crimes against humanity, I mean, it, it, has there ever been a bigger one perpetrated against human beings? You know, as far as it goes, and they even lied from the very beginning. And the, the part about the lying was just based on the efficacy. Like, I, I don't, have you done any research on understanding the, the efficacy of and how they come up with the efficacy of a vaccine or any kind of drug or anything like that? Oh, yeah, it's ludicrous. The fact is, I mean, most of these, most of these vaccines aren't even tested correctly. This one is incubated even worse. But, it, but, but the numbers that they gave were, were a lie. And, and what right. I mean by a lie is the FDA regulates and mandates that when they do their studies and they put their research out, that they actually are not supposed to use relative risk reduction. They're supposed to use absolute risk reduction when actually talking about the efficacy of a product. Now, what that means is, okay, they came out in Pfizer, for example. Now, I, I don't know the exact numbers, you know, but it... Pfizer, they had two groups of a little over 18,000 people in their groups that they say that they actually tested, okay, that they, that they did this on. And the group that actually got the vaccine, 12 people got COVID, which was 0.04% of that total 18,437 or whatever it was. And then you had those that didn't get the vaccine, and 147 of them got COVID for a 0.8%. Eight percent. So, if you look at the difference between 0.04 and 0.88, the relative risk reduction is ninety-five percent. So, they told people that the vaccine was ninety-five percent effective, but the FDA in themselves requires not to use relative risk reduction. And they allowed them to do that because the true risk reduction in that study is actually 0.84%. And they get the 0.84% because that's the difference between the 0.88% that actually they got, didn't get the vaccine that got COVID and the 0.04% those that got the vaccine who got COVID. The, the absolute risk reduction was point. Eight four percent. If you told the population, you told everybody that if you take this shot, there's a 0.84% chance less that you'll get COVID, not a single person would have taken it. That's the absolute risk reduction. Why does nobody understand this and nobody fight this? Those are real numbers. Less than 1% chance that it helped. They knew that coming out of the gun. That's why they had to lie about it. 
it is disgusting to me. Oh, yeah. No, I'm with you. I think what we're really seeing here is just the depth. Everything you've mapped out is the depth of political depravity that we have in this nation. And it's the ability, and even at a local level, and I, and I ask this I ask this a lot of times, it's like, what has even happened to common sense? Everything you fight- It's not very common. It's not. It isn't. And with that, we have lost our collective mind as a nation. People have become, you, you said something here, and I'm going to say people have become slaves to the system. And, and why this becomes so important is you have, are a small business owner. I've had my own businesses my whole life. My dad was a small business owner. And people don't understand the difference in that mentality. You said it. You build it yourself. And you build it and you defend it. But when people are so accustomed to working for somebody else, working for a corporate job, working for for the government, whatever they're doing, and they become so accustomed to having someone give them a pay for work that they do, they have no idea what it is to build. And building is at the heart of every, should be and is at the part of every patriot. I, I agree a thousand percent. And, and then take it even a step further. I've had a lot of people who lost businesses during who unfortunately I end up having negative conversations with and being negative conversations is because they will literally sit here and tell me that they had no choice. They're complaining to me that they lost their business during COVID. I couldn't, why couldn't you, you don't have a key to the door. Like I'm, I'm confused. And then the, the, the fallacy is I, I get all the time. People will literally say, well, I didn't have the following you have. And I, I laugh at them. And I said, you didn't know who I was before COVID. I'm just a dumb gym owner. I said, I didn't open up because I got a following. I got a following because I opened up. And that's all we needed. If 100 businesses opened up, they would have been done this. Like the weekend that we actually decided we were opening up, when, when I say we were doing everything to get ready to lock ourselves in here, we probably got 400 phone calls in the gym. And the, the 400 phone calls that we got is, hey, and it's whether it was a restaurant, a bar, a gym, personal training studio, a mail salon, whatever. We had calls from all of them. Hey, we really want to support you, but I really want to open my business up. My answer to every single one of them was, what have you been doing for the last nine weeks? And they're like, almost every single one of them was, what do you mean? I said, well... Are you prepared to protect the people? Okay, because bottom line is whether you believe COVID exists or not, you still have to be willing to protect the people so you don't look like you're just doing stuff, you know, you know, just off the cuff. Okay, have you actually looked in your industry and actually gone to the CDC? And it's, even though most of the stuff was bullcrap, okay? Bottom line is if you are prepared, if you could protect people, Please open up because that's what we need. But if you're not prepared, the last thing I want you to do is open up because if you're not prepared for it and people just come rushing and there's somebody claims they got COVID from there, they're going to sit here and say, see, this is why we can't open up small business, which like I truly believe that if they had done the actual opposite, that this whole world would be so much better and this would be over. But obviously we know the reason they didn't do it. When I mean by the opposite is that Leave small business open. Big Box doesn't care about you. Big Box actually 
does it doesn't give a damn about the person that's shopping in the community. They they take the money, they funnel it up the streets politically, all the lobbyists and everything else. If you actually had left all the small business owners open, shut all big box down. The little guy's going to take care of the guy next door because he knows each other. They're going to protect each other. And the money stays in the community. And you're literally dealing with probably the same unemployment rate or or maybe even a little bit lower because now you're making big box have to worry about hiring people. They're the ones that are shut down. They have all the money. To me, that would have been the easiest solution. That's another reason I know that they would have never done that because the big box has done nothing but make money. I mean, Walmart, I don't know how many years it's been in business, but Walmart was worth like $40 billion at the beginning of COVID. And they've maybe been in existence for 90 years. They've tripled their worth in the last three years. That's insane. That's what they've allowed to happen. This is the biggest wealth transfer in the history of humankind that happened. And it- I agree. Not even close. Right. You know, and the, the way they let these people get away with the deaths that they cause, like Governor Murphy, like every everybody talks about New York and, and Cuomo and how many people died in the long-term care facilities up there. Like, where's the accountability? I mean, in, in the state of New Jersey, actually, out of residents of long-term care facilities, over 13% of them died. 13%. One veteran's home in North Jersey, 119 people died in one veteran's home, and they claim it was COVID. And no one's held accountable. The scariest part about 119 deaths, it was only a 304-bed facility. Wow. That is insane. The second highest percentage of deaths in long-term care facility in the United States was New York at approximately 4.37% when they actually stopped doing the numbers. And I, I'm a weird I'm a weird person when it comes to numbers, so I apologize for that. But when, when this was all going on, when they were still documenting everything, that's all I did was the numbers. Because there, there was a task force in the state of New Jersey, and these were crazy stats from the JTF-57 uh, uh, COVID-19 task force, which was a, a military-based task force that was their sole purpose at the beginning of COVID, was to be inside of all New Jersey's long-term care facilities and document every single case of COVID and every death in long-term care facilities. Well, we have about 9 million residents in the state of New Jersey. We had about 160,000 residents long-term care facilities. Okay, big discrepancy there. So you actually are looking at, and, and you might get different numbers, but whatever the number is in long-term care facilities in the state of New Jersey. Um, on June 20th, I mean, June for, uh, 1st of 2020, the percentage of deaths in the state of New Jersey that were in long-term care facility was 42.7% of all the deaths. All the COVID deaths that happened, 42.7% of them, which is an insane number when you think about 9 million in the population and approximately 160,000 long-term care facilities. So to have 43 almost 43% of them be from that smaller population is crazy. But now remember, in the state of New Jersey, they wouldn't let anybody visit from March 16th on. So that number should obviously go down. They're saying that everybody that's in general population, the, the 9 million are, are doing things they're not supposed to be doing. That's why COVID's running rampant and those type of things. So that number at 42.7%, 
should actually go down. Well, Governor Murphy every single day had a, had a, a press conference, and he'd always say that we lost this many blessed souls in long-term care facilities, and we lost this many blessed souls in the regular population. From June 20th to June 23rd of 2020, every single day, more people died in long-term care facilities than died out of the 9 million citizens in the state of New Jersey. It peaked on June 23rd when 57 people died and 50 of them were in long-term care facilities. I went to the media. I said, why are you not talking about this? Why are you not asking these questions at Governor Murphy's press conferences? Because it is insane that they've lost control of this. Nobody's been allowed to visit any of these facilities since March 16th. Why are so many more dying in those facilities than are dying of the 9 million people that you call knuckleheads that are walking around not doing what they're supposed to do? They asked him the next day. The next day, JTF 57 COVID-19 task force was disassembled. They never tracked a stat again in long-term care facilities in the state of New Jersey. And I have proof of it. That's insane. The whole thing is insane. So where are you going from here? Because you're now at a point where they have tried to, they're just trying to squeeze every dime they can out of you. This is just a vengeance attack anyway. But where, where do things go for you from here? I, um, I am told that I don't have an appeal at the state level. Um, they don't have a legal bias, so I am doing some research trying to find a way to get back in the federal system um, for for other things against them. Because my, my goal from day one was to, to take this to the Supreme Court, to take the powers away from these tyrannical leaders, um, the, these governors to, to be given dictatorial powers like this violates you know the separation of powers act of the, of the constitution um they, they don't have the rights to do this they shouldn't have the rights to do this um i i i would hope that at some point i can get there and then maybe attorneys would would show up that want to actually help once it gets to the federal level because they're all afraid at the jersey level because of the, the communist state that we're in they're, they're, nobody believes that they could win anything in the state of new jersey and um like governor murphy hasn't lost any cases during COVID, which is which is crazy when you, you look at it. You know, even Governor Cuomo lost. You know, you know, Gretchen, uh, Gretchen uh, Whitmer and has lost. Newsom, you know, has lost. Wolf in, in Pennsylvania has lost. So you, your your most tyrannical leaders have lost cases. Murphy is like Teflon somehow, and I don't understand. You know, he he has the worst numbers of everything in COVID. And he needs to be held accountable. And when you when you look at what an executive order from a governatorial official is technically supposed to be, it's supposed to be for, in my understanding, is for the employees of the state. And it's only supposed to affect the, the citizens based on the implementation of it by the employees of the state. And it's only supposed to be for 14 days. And then after 14 days, it's supposed to go through the judiciary where all elected officials come together and decide whether to keep it in place. What, what New Jersey's constitution has done is allow him to have dictator powers and it's how can you you know be in violation of the the you know the separation of powers act and and, and nobody care i i don't understand you know it's like where, where do i go from here i don't know because i'm i'm i literally still waiting for things from the township you know it's like 
with with over 90 summons they're outstanding i mean if if, if they find me guilty of all of them i mean the minimum fine on them is five hundred dollars you know some of them are a maximum fine of up to ten thousand dollars right I, I i i live with that over my head every day but you know what I, I i come to work you know it's like crazy number it's you know it's as i said i'm a, I'm a numbers person today is day 1241 of covid i have had nine days off and that's including holidays I'm open 365 days a year. I've had nine days off out of the last 1,241 days. That is an intensely real testimony to what this fight has been about. So thank you. Seriously. I thank everybody that comes in the, to the gym every day because without them, there is no fight. And they all know that. And they... They appreciate that, and I've, I've, I've personally made sure that every person has thanked me, I've thanked them at least twice. The bottom line is that if they weren't willing to walk through the door, there is no fight. A guy opening up his gym, like, because there are other places that opened up, that stayed open because nobody showed up, and nobody cared, so it didn't get any publicity, if that makes sense. Yeah, oh, it does completely, absolutely makes sense. So how can people follow you and continue to support you? I mean, um, our, our website is the, the you know, we have, we have gear on there, everything. I mean, my, if anybody need, has any questions or, you know, anything, um, my personal email is ask the expert at comcast.net. Um, and anything else you can actually find on the website. And, you know, it's, you know, I, I just wish that everybody would just stand up and understand that they're, they're, they're coming for everybody. You know, they're, you know, they're coming for me now because I stood up, but it's, they're literally are, they're coming for everybody. And it's, it's a crazy time. Well, Frank, this has been awesome today. Appreciate it. I mean, you're, you've got a tremendous story and want to have you back on. Anytime, Scott, I appreciate, you know, you helping get the story out there and keep fighting. I, I love listening to your podcast and what you represent and the people that you, you help. Well, thank you. We always close with a prayer, so it's okay. I'll do a prayer. Father God, we just want to thank you for this time that we've had here and just, again, raising up the voice of another amazing patriot and and person who's walking in the authorities that we should all be walking in, which is the authorities of us being the sovereigns of this nation. Father, just pray for the continued blessings and protections around Frank and his all of his work at the Attila's Gym and just to continue to bless them and give them the strength of standing too, as they are, and as you've always commanded us to do, to stand and never bow, and to continue to guide him and bless his family with all that they need, to continue to see this forward in victory, not just for us as an example, but for the kingdom. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Well, I appreciate you being on, man. You too. Thank you. Really do. All right, we'll be in touch. You have a very blessed day. Yes, sir. Patriots, that was Frank Tumbetti. He's just a powerful patriot and just has that fire of what New Jersey's real people are like, not the sellout communists that took over the governments up there and the wussified people that are running those townships. I lived up there. I'll tell you, it's, it's, uh, it's a mess because you have some really hard fighters up there that love America, true patriots. And unfortunately, many of the townships and the uh, government had just been infected by these, whatever I can say, they're spineless wussies. And they sell this country out in a heartbeat. 
the fight that we have to continue to remember is a couple of things. One, local fight is, is essential. You've got, we've got to get patriots back in there, and they need to be anchored solidly in their relationship with God. Secondly, all of these things that you're hearing here tonight, there is a continual push right now for us to let's move on. Let's get over it. No. We have to go back and recount this and hold everybody accountable because the people of this country turned on their brothers and sisters of this country. They are culpable and they have to be held accountable for being traitors in an hour of need. And that's an essential point. It doesn't mean that they have to face a traitor's justice, but they have to be held accountable for the actions of turning on their nation. Unacceptable. And it can never be forgotten. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
old evil that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.